Welcome to the Dynasty Heat Seekers, a Roto Heat production. Make sure you subscribe, like, and comment on our YouTube page and check out our website, rotoheat.com. Now jump in and enjoy the show with your hosts, Bryce Frazier and Anthony Leone. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday Night Dynasty Heat Seekers show. I'm your host, Bryce Frazier, and I'm joined by the always reliable Anthony Leone. Leone, how are we doing today? I'm pumped, man. I'm great. Happy to be here. Happy to see you. Glad you're doing well. How'd your fantasy week go? Up and down, as it's kind of been everywhere. All, most of my redraft teams seem to be struggling, but all of my dynasty teams are seem to be doing pretty well. So I'm happy overall. I'm leading my division in my Scott Fishbowl League. So that's really cool. We did a live draft in San Francisco. So that's really cool to see. How about you? How about your leagues? How's things going? You know, I had high expectations. I'm in like 10 leagues and eight of them I wanted to be competitors. And I'm in, it's kind of dwindled down. It looks like six of them can still definitely be. I got rosters that could definitely make the playoffs. And as we'll kind of talk about in this show, there's two where I've now had to kind of make a decision of where I want to go from there. We'll kind of get into some of the strategies that are incorporated moving forward with those rosters and why and all that stuff. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, we'll go ahead and touch on some of the news and notes, especially of fantasy relevant players. So it looks like the injury bug hit the running back position pretty hard this week. David Montgomery, Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift all appear to be like they'll miss at least one week or more, I believe. Swift and Montgomery and Dalvin Cook are considered day-to-day. But a lot of times I think when you hear that, it's always like they miss one week because that's how Chris Godwin was early last week as well. And it just doesn't make sense in week four to kind of rush some of the big-name players back into lineups, especially when their teams aren't doing, you know, it's not like it's a huge win necessary at this point, like it could be like later in the season. So what are you making of these guys that are getting injured? Because obviously... All three of them have pretty efficient backups when it comes to fantasy. So obviously in redraft leagues, I'm trying to acquire all of those backups. But which one would you prioritize out of these three? In redraft, I mean, if Jamal Williams is available, I think he's the priority add. I think in Dynasty, he's going to be scooped up. He'll be essentially yeah, impossible to grab. Khalil Herbert, we've talked about him in the offseason as a great buy. So obviously he would be up there too. Yeah. I mean, long term, yeah, long term, I'd pay the most for Khalil Herbert. I'd pay the second most for Alexander Madison. And then I'd pay the third most for Jamal Williams. But in a redraft setting, I'm going to want Jamal Williams more than any of them. That's partly because I'm positive DeAndre Swift isn't going to play. When news broke that he was going to need some time to get healthy, the first thing I did was I pulled up their schedule and I saw a week six bye. And that says to me, he's not going to play week four, week five. He'll have an extra week off for week six with the bye. He'll be back week seven. So I think if you have Jamal Williams, you are looking at about two starts of pretty solid fantasy production. So for sure, in redraft, he's the go-get. I think Dalvin Cook will play. He just had a dislocated shoulder. He's dealt with this in the past. He's worn the harness before. I expect him to be out there. If you recall last season, his first game back after wearing that harness, he had a monster game. I'm not as concerned about Dalvin Cook as David Montgomery. 
I think David Montgomery will be active, but I do not think he's going to have an extremely large role. So I don't think you can start David Montgomery this week, whether he's active or not. I don't expect DeAndre Swift to be active for the next two weeks and then a bye. I do think Dalvin Cook will be active. I would start Dalvin Cook if I own him. So that would move Madison on a redraft uh, handcuff basis to the lowest of my priority. Anything you disagree with anything I just said or other than maybe thinking Montgomery's not active? Yeah, I really think that it's if Montgomery's not 100%, it doesn't make sense for him to he could be active, but I think that it's cool the Khalil Herbert show because a 100% Khalil Herbert is better than a 90% David Montgomery from what I from what I see. Like Khalil Herbert is just as good like they're interchangeable to me. They're a little bit different style runners. Obviously, Montgomery's a little bit more physical, which has right. led to injuries two years in a row. But his was kind of, he got rolled up on. So it's not like that was more of a running style. But sure, I can see the point in Jamal Williams is the guy that I could see having more weeks played. So I did that. It kind of sucks because waivers run tomorrow, right? In most leagues. And we don't really get the injury reports till after. But because there's a lot of reports that it looks like Dave Montgomery might have a high ankle sprain or maybe an NCL, like a NCL sprain or something like that. That would hinder him for a couple of weeks. So it's like, do I take the risk of grabbing Khalil Herbert, who I think will be more involved in the offense than I think Jamal Williams will be, and take that risk? I'm not sure. I think they're pretty, those guys are a toss up for me. In all my redraft, like the most. In all my redraft leagues, all these handcuffs are gone. I mean, Jamal Williams, oh, really? 12 team leagues. Yeah. Jamal Williams is off. Akilah Herbert's owned. Madison's even owned. So, yeah. So, in my leagues, it doesn't really matter. But of them all, again, I'd rank them Jamal Williams first, Khalil Herbert second, Madison third. And, you know, if you can get your handcuff, I think it's okay to do that. It kind of just depends on the makeup of your team. I'm not a huge handcuff guy. I don't like wasting roster spots like that. But it does make sense. And if you miss out on all these guys, take a stab at Jalen Warren and just stick him on your bench because, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Najee Harris is on this list next week. Yeah, and Warren looks pretty good. Yeah, like he looks nice. Yeah, I kind of just put it as Williams and Herbert are 1A and 1B, and then I put Madison as, like, number two. Okay. So, Tony, so, hey, how are we doing? If anybody asks any questions in the chat, we will answer them at the end of the show. So feel free to watch or ask any question, redraft or dynasty questions. Even though this is a dynasty stream, we answer all questions. If you do, just please put the format that you're playing in, especially if it involves like trade questions. So let's go ahead and just move on into the topic for the week. And it's, are we jumping ship? Or are we kind of weathering the weather the storm with our rosters? So yeah, what a depressing topic. Oh, and three. You man. Oh, and three. Oh, man. I have had the luxury not having to start 0-3 in any of the Dynasty League that I don't want to be 0-3 in. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, there's one yeah. I want the first pick. Yeah, I'm the course. first or second pick. And so I'm happy with that. The rest of them, I've had to even, like, there's one where I'm 1-2. and two, And you can even apply some of this logic to 1-2 and two rosters. If, like, the only time I got my win was because I had the second least amount of points scored and I played the guy that scored the least. That's how bad that guy was and right. how bad my roster is. So I'm looking at like right. a top three pick in that league. Nope. So that, have you ever gone 0-3 and won a championship? I've done it. I've done it once that I remember in a redraft league. Can you think of any time you've ever done that before? Honestly, I have no clue. I probably 
I probably at least started 0-3 made the playoffs. Sure. I, I can almost guarantee that. Sure. So I'm not sure. I really haven't, I haven't, I, I kind of just erase. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know how I did last year in some of my leagues. Like, yeah, you let all the bad memories wipe right. those away. <laughs> I, I mean, like, it's pretty, you know, like when you talk to people and you're like, how many leagues you do? And I tell them 10. I'm like, how do you even yeah. do that? And I'm just like, you know, like, when you do 10 leagues, it's almost like, it's like math. A lot of times, like you have your rankings and you try and make your team as best as you can. But then there's like a couple of leagues that you focus on more than the other, right? Oh, of like, course. If you want to win in those leagues, the rest of the leagues, you're happy with whatever happened. It's kind of like how poker players like do like 10 tournaments online at, or six tournaments online at one time. Like they just have all the math in their brain and they just make decisions based on based on that. So that's how I kind of approach it as well. So with that being said, the first thing I had for some advice to give if you're starting off 0-3 is, is basically just don't look at your roster. Like, is your team 0-3 because it's bad? Like, it's just not, it's not ready. Like, it's young players that, are, that aren't performing right now. Is it veteran players that whose best years are behind them? Maybe they've had a slow start. You've got guys like Zeke and Alvin Kamara on your team. Even Derrick Henry, despite this last week, like Christian McCaffrey, these are all guys that you could have on your roster and be one and two, zero and three, and just don't freak out. Is what I would be saying here. If you were zero and three, you still have plenty of time. Like there's 14 weeks in a typical fantasy regular season, you can easily come back from that and make the playoffs. Like I, I've seen people make it at seven and seven, eight and six is definitely doable. And nine and nine and five is like almost a guarantee. I think that you make your fantasy playoffs. All that is is achievable still. If you lose next week, then maybe you're starting to go in a little bit more panic mode. Yeah. Um, but again, look at your roster. Like if you're like, man, it's gonna be tough for me to win a couple of more games. It, it's gonna be tough for me not to lose a couple more games. So go look at other people's. Go look at other people's teams, and then go from there. Look at your veteran assets. Do you need to? Do you need to start trading them for the most value that they have at this point in time? Guys, I'm looking at are like. You know, your Mike Evans, your DeAndre Hopkins, maybe some Devontae Adams. Guys, you're going to get a good amount of value from, but their best years are probably gone. Like, I don't imagine any of these guys I just named whose values really are going to go up from here. DeAndre Hopkins might a little bit when he gets off of suspension. So that's maybe a guy that I would maybe consider waiting on. But the others, like, I can't, I, I, we told people that Devontae Adams isn't going to be what he was with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is much better than Derek Carr, whatever, whatever people say. Adams is going to have to get like 20 targets a game to do what he was doing with like 12 targets with Rodgers. So that's the first set of advice I would have is look at your roster. Can you still compete? If so, weather the storm. If not, I think it's time to look at some veteran pieces and acquire maybe some, some younger guys and maybe some picks with that. Do you have anything to comment on that advice, Leonie? No, the one thing I'll say is if you're going to be, you know, trying to do trades with league mates, the first thing you really have to do is have a conversation, you know, send them a message. Don't just send out blind trades. It's, it doesn't, it's not really yeah. effective. You know, it's like, it's better to have a relationship with these guys or gals, you know, talk to them and, you know, honestly, like be genuinely interested in some things they have going on in their life, you know, like. Maybe you're friends with them on Facebook. Maybe, I mean, maybe you're not. Maybe you're just these randoms on the internet, which is fine. But if you know these guys, I mean, talk to them a little bit, you know, find out what's going on with their lives, you know, find out, you know, because then you can actually have like a real conversation and 
then it just makes the negotiation just a whole lot easier. You know, it's easier to see eye to eye. It's easier to talk about differences. You know, it's easier to joke around if something goes the wrong way or if they think that the trade isn't fair. You know, your starting point was way off. It just, it makes it all a lot easier. It helps you get more information from them. And that's really the best thing to do. And, you know, a lot of times, if you just ask someone what they want or what they're looking for, they'll tell you. And there have been so many times where there's a guy on my bench that I could care, you know, nothing about. I mean, it happens, you know, I'm not going to name names. I mean, all these guys in the league are are talented players, but I mean, there are guys that you just have on your bench that, you know, you just don't really think there's any value there. And, you know, you may ask someone like in your league, like, hey, you know, is there anyone on my team that you like? And I remember it happened earlier this offseason and they said, oh, yeah, I'm really big on Nico Collins. And I thought, man, like, that's like the last person I would have offered this guy in a trade. But he liked him. So we were able to work out a trade. I don't remember exactly what it was. But to me, it was like anything I got in return was a positive for me because I wasn't even excited at all to have Nico Collins on my bench. So it just goes to show having a conversation, asking what they want. Don't be afraid just to talk and really get a lot of deals made in that process. Yeah, I agree. The one thing I like about Sleeper is it has the button where you could put people on the trade block and it'll like notify the whole league. Put it out there, put a message with it. Hey, message me. Let's, let's find a deal on this. Like I, in, 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 in any leagues I'm in, like MFL or ESPN, I mean, that's some sort of group chat. I'll put the player on the trade block in the chat. Like, hey, looking to move this guy. What, what do we all need? Or stuff like that. And I take advantage of when people do that as well. Like I just made a trade earlier this week where, or literally I accepted it this morning, where somebody was like, he didn't think his roster was going to compete. And he just has guys that are stepping up and winning them games like Tua and Devontae Smith. And he's yeah. like, hey, looks like I'm going to actually compete this year. Any veteran quarterbacks on the block? I'm not competing. I've got Russell Wilson. I don't like how Russell Wilson looks. My team needs to be spiced up a lot anyway. I need draft picks. He's got Kenny Pickett, who I think will be starting here in a couple of weeks anyway. Let's make a deal for that. I've got a veteran running back, Zeke, who, whose value every week seems to be decreasing. Yeah. So let me make sure I get rid of him before at the end of the season, he's barely worth a second round pick. So that's definitely take, I like that point. Take advantage of like, not just sending offers and nothing. Cause when you get a conversation going, that's when you get counters. Like, yeah, I feel like when I get offers and nobody messages me or says anything, I have no problem just saying no, bam, where it's like when they message me, then I'm like, I kind of have interest in this guy and this guy, well, how do we get them incorporated in this deal? So Made a couple then, of deals like that. Just to- and then you're and then you're also not just wasting time. You know, like if they're right. someone on their team that they will not lose, you know, there's a guy in our league that I'm in and he's a huge Bears fan. And I mean, it's like if he has a Bears player, don't even waste your time. I know this, right? Like I already know this, but if I was in a league with him and didn't know that, it's like, oh, then you're just wasting time sending all these trades for this guy he's never gonna trade. So just to have a conversation, you get a lot of information. You save time. It makes everything a lot easier. And then Chase Banks in the chat. We will answer that question at the end. I like, uh, I like that. Yes, we will answer that at it, the end. Yeah. We will answer that. And then, you know, the kind of second piece of advice, not only piggybacks off what I was just saying, but it also kind of goes all the way back to last week. And it's like, let's, if you're looking to rebuild, look, yeah, because it doesn't make sense to go and grab veteran players off of other people's roster, unless somehow you're going to flip them for more than you get them for. So look young and look for package deals. 
defunct trading guys, like I mentioned, like DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans. Sure, let me get some draft picks in there because this next draft class is loaded. If you can get a first and like a player thrown in, or even like a couple of players and a second thrown in, because this next draft class is deep, you might find a lot of value in the second round. Guys, again, to mention, we mentioned them last week. Zamir White was one, Alec Pierce, Desmond Ritter, um, and then Sari Tony. Yeah. Definitely super flex if Desmond Ritter. Don't worry about it if it's one quarterback. Yeah. But those these are all guys who I think that their best shoot obviously is still to come. Alec Pierce is very involved in this offense. We had a pretty decent he had a pretty decent week just this past just on this past Sunday. Zamir White, I still am pretty confident is going to be the starting running back for that team. And Kadarius Tony is a freak athlete. He's just dealing with some injury concerns right now. But I think once he's fully healthy and he stays healthy, he's going to be a problem. Once he's on the field. So I'm looking to get these guys in a deal along with a lot more, some more draft capital. So, and it, this even next will piggy off, piggyback off my next piece of advice. So I might as well just jump into it. And that's know the rest of your league. And we kind of just a little bit touched on it. Like know your owners, right? But look at their teams and look at their records. It makes no sense for you in a situation where you're trying to rebuild to go try and acquire young players and young picks from another guy who's also like 0-3 or 1-2 and with his roster. <laughs> yeah. Like, I always get, it's so funny because I always get, there's one league where I'm 0-3 and, and I've been rebuilding this roster now for two years. And it's like, I always get offers for like Jalen Waddle and like Zach Wilson and Dak Prescott. And they're always, and they're always on my side, I'm giving up them and like a pick. And then they're trying to offer me like a veteran player. Like that makes you know that doesn't help me whatsoever. So go, don't hone in on a player, hone in on an owner is what I'm trying to say. So keep your player pool wide open of young guys that you're willing to acquire and go find a guy that's already 0 and 3, or I'm sorry, 3 and 0, 2 and 1, and they're look and their roster's looking good. Like, hey, this can make a playoff push if it's healthy. And go try to incorporate and grab some of these young guys and picks so that they're not only does their starting roster get better and they have a chance to win a ship, but it's a win-win for both teams. So don't, again, like I hate when people do that and they offer me veteran players for young assets when I'm just not winning games. So any advice to add to that? Yeah, you know, another thing I would mention too is, you know, yes, I agree with everything you said, but... Don't be afraid to also look at the teams that are one and two, oh and three, maybe even next week going four. They may have a really good older team. They may think they're competitive and they may be competitive. They just may have had some bad luck. Or maybe they're just missing, maybe they're just missing that wide receiver two or three on their team that would have helped them get over the top a couple weeks. Or, you know, maybe they're just maybe they don't have enough quarterbacks, or maybe they don't have a good tight end or an upside young tight end. And maybe you think. You could deal with them. And that and having a team, like we've all been there. We've all had those teams that have, you know, scored almost the most points, but are 0 and 3, 0 and 4, or just, you know, just not winning the head to head matchups, but have still have a pretty good team. And I mean, what the perfect icebreaker to talk to an owner to get a trade initiated is man, you've had some crap luck. Like, I'm looking at your team, you know, give them a compliment. Like, hey, I think you did a really good job building this team. And look at this bad luck you have just losing this game by four points. Like, take the time, look to see what happened. And if you can relate to them, all of a sudden, they're going to be more open to saying, yeah, like, this guy wants me to win. This guy knows what's going on. And that's how you can get a deal made. 
So yeah, know your league. I love how you said that. Know your league. Know the players who own these. Know, know, know the owners who own these rosters. And try to look at things from their perspective. Try to see if you can help them and how they can help you. That's how you can get a trade done. And if you're 0-3 and you think you can't compete and you want to try to rebuild, that's the best way to do it. Take a little bit of time, figure out what these owners need, and make it happen. Yeah, I agree. There, there's you will still find people that are one and two and zero and three that that don't want to let go yet. Like maybe they only have one or two leagues and they're not ready to, you know, throw in the towel and give up. Sure. Yet. So you could still try and capitalize on that. So it still could make sense. But I think the point would be to get the conversation started before you go and offer something to them. You know, I mentioned a couple of young guys I'd be targeting. Are there any names that you know come to mind for you that you try and be looking maybe in a, a package deal for like a veteran? some veteran players or there's some other veteran players that come to mind that you would be looking to unload and, and park with in and, and order to maybe get your rebuild started or off to a, a hotter start. No, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with the guys you listed. I mean, it really just comes down to your team. If you think it, it really just comes down to how long you think it's going to take for you to be really good. Yeah. So you look at your roster and you say, okay, am I going to win this year? Yes or no? Probably not. Okay. Let's just say no. And then you look at your team. Okay, next year, who's coming back? Who's going to probably be in a good spot? Who's not? Like, so you have to kind of just think ahead, pretend what can happen, what probably will happen. You know, like Cooper Cup's a good example. Like, if you have Cooper Cup, if you're rebuilding, you better think you're going to win within the next two years. You better think you're going to win within the next two years. Because if not, if you're looking at like a three-year, four-year rebuild, then Cooper Cup is literally worthless on your team. Completely worthless. Get rid of him. Trade him. Max value right now. Same thing with Derrick Henry, too. I think. Oh, definitely. You could apply that to him. Definitely. Arguably Christian McCaffrey. Definitely. I mean, really, any top running back older than 25, maybe. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. Now, if you're just having, if you're having a bad year or maybe you've had an injury, maybe you have Deshaun Watson in a super flex and you're like, man, it kind of reminds me of that guy I think you're in a league with. Mike, I know he has like Deshaun Watson. Like he has all these guys that like, they're going to be good next year. So you can see if you go to his team, I think it's Michael Vanderkoon. If you go to his team, yeah, shout out to Michael. Roto Heat follower. He's the man. He's smart guy. Uh, but you look at his team and it's like, man, this team is just built for next year. And that happens. Sometimes, you know, things just don't go your way. And then you can just build your team for next year. Yeah. And that I think if I remember, like I've seen his roster, like it's like, man, this team is not good right now. But next year, like you can just look at it and you go, yeah, this is going to be a good team next year. Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Zach Wilson, his quarterback. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's like this year, probably not going to do it. But man, he's the running back. But yeah, Chris Godwin, another guy on his team. Calvin Ridley. Yeah, Calvin. He built it that way. I think he built it that way. Yeah. And that's good. And that's how you can, you know, just just evaluate your team and then move accordingly. I agree. So go ahead and talk about, I pretty much talked about all of the, the guys I did. There's just one point that I really didn't address. And that was don't sell early. So if I'm looking to move some of these veteran guys, like another guy coming to mind, Michael Thomas, my, or especially DeAndre Hopkins, so I'll go back to him. Yeah. Don't, 
so low. Like I, I understand that you're wanting to you're wanting to rebuild and you're wanting to get like picks and players now. But as the season progresses and more and more people are getting closer to the playoffs and like, wow, this there's some loaded teams going to the playoffs. My fry roster's kind of middle of the road. Maybe I can make a move to compete against these loaded rosters. People are going to be way more inclined to throw to give away a first round pick along with a second round pick and some young players in order to get a guy that immediately competes in their competes, put plugs in their roster and puts up good numbers. You know, guys that all the guys that we've mentioned so far that are veteran players. So don't sell some of these guys low right now just to see, you know, kind of getting what you can get. Like you throw a player out there like Micah, hey, Mike Evans is available, guys. I'm looking to redraft. I'm looking to rebuild. And someone's like, oh, I'll give you. And obviously competitors probably coming at you. So at bet at best at this point in time, probably a mid-second and Zamir White for him. I'm not going to accept that. I'm going to wait. I'll hold on to all the veteran players that I have, and I will wait until it gets closer to the end of the season where then people kind of get more in like a, not necessarily a panic mode, but more of like a anxious mode that they want to, they're willing to overpay maybe a little bit to get competitive people in their lineup. So again, value, value your guys appropriately and don't settle for anything less than it, especially this early in the season, because I think you're going to get your value for more closer to playoff time. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's timing. It's timing. So when I think about like DeAndre Hopkins, I think, okay, he's a little bit older. He's still going to be really good when he plays, probably. And where's his value at right now? Like on a scale of one to 10, what would you put him at? His value? Yeah, like, his, in, in relative to everyone else in the league, one to 10. To everyone else? Yeah, just in general. So, so like, it, as like Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson would be like a 10 and I think Russell Gage would be like a one right now. He's suspended. He's not playing for three weeks, but where would you put him just in dynasty in general terms? I think right now I try and think of the layman's terms, right? So I'm thinking that right now he's probably like a six borderline seven. Yeah. Okay. So I have him at a five. So that's okay. We're kind of like in the right. same range. That's good. Right. So I, think it goes up. Up. I think it goes up week seven. Yeah, oh, definitely. As soon as he starts playing, it goes up. But someone might say, wait a second. What if he plays and he doesn't do good? What if he you know, only gets two catches? You know, I mean, you have to think like, man, even if he does really bad for three weeks, the lowest he can go relative to Russell Gage and Justin Jefferson is like a four. You know what I mean? Like, chances are it's not going to be as low as like Julio Jones. You know what I mean? Like you just have to kind of think like, okay, even if he does bad, worst case scenario, it seems like down to a four. But what if he comes out week seven, eight, nine, ten, and is lighting up the world on fire? You know, all of a sudden he's going to be all the way up to a nine. So you have to understand, like you have to think about the risk reward. If I trade him now, when everyone's just kind of mild on him, why trade him now when he can be on fire week 10 11 12 and and worst case scenario he doesn't do that he's still going to be valued about the same anyway like it doesn't make any sense to trade him now like you were saying it doesn't make any sense to move him now wait until there's an opportunity to move him now with all that said if you go to our other points that we mentioned earlier in, in this video and you reach out to an owner and they say oh man i really would love deandre hopkins my team is ready to go 
I could even lose the next three weeks. I don't care. I'm, I'm pumped to have someone like DeAndre Hopkins on my team. Okay, maybe you make an exception and trade him now. Yeah. But the point is just having this understanding of, hey, where is this player at? What are the range of outcomes if I trade him now as opposed to waiting? And if it's likely that they're going to be better than not or not much worse if you wait, worst case scenario, then just wait. You know, yeah, maybe DeAndre Hopkins will get hurt and everything we just said is crap and he's valued like Russell Gage or Julio Jones. Yeah, but everyone can get hurt like that. So you have to just throw that out. Like, pretend that's not even an example or a possibility because everyone can get hurt like that. So just understand your team, understand the players you have, and try to just think a little, like chess, think a few steps ahead, and that's how you can start making a lot of good decisions on your rebuilds. Yeah, I agree. The only other time that I would, like, sell a person, like, DeAndre Hopkins early is a, if I am projecting a player that I like to also gain value soon. Yeah. I sent you a trade yesterday I made and it was DeAndre Hopkins for George Pickens in a second. Like George Pickens, I really think that his value, like he's going to get, he's going to get targeted more. Like he's just a freak athlete that's like not getting enough targets. And that's just because the quarterback plays trash there in, in Pittsburgh right now, where of, I think Pickens in three or four weeks, his value is going to raise. Yeah, and that's the thing too. And, and that's a gr- perfect example. Perfect example. I do it six. Because if you wait to trade for Pickett, or I'm sorry, Pickens. Or Pickett. If you, yeah. Exactly. If you wait to trade for them, it's like, well, what's more likely? Who's going to be more valuable at that time? So you have to just, you have to just play everything out. But yeah. I like to try to keep things simple. I like to use a one to 10 scale like that. I'm kind of dumb. So I have to really dumb things down. So I did. I just have to, you know, think like, hey, if this guy's at a five right now, worst case, he could be a four. Best case, he could be a nine. Yeah, I'll wait. I'll wait. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead. Anybody who hasn't been here, if you're asking questions in the chat, stay tuned. We will answer them. We've got a couple in there, but we'll answer them here probably in the next like about 10 to 12 minutes. So stay with it. All right, Leonie, give your piece. All right. So by the way, I just have, first off, I just have to say, Bryce, you hit, you killed it. I loved all your points. And I think people that are watching this show are learning a lot, whether they think they know all this all not, even if they already know all this, it's always good to just walk through it, remind yourself what you need to do. So for those that are here watching, like props, like for real, yeah, for real. Thank you. Okay. So my advice is go with your gut. Look at your team and try to see like, look, is this just bad luck that I'm 0-3 or is it like just maybe I'm just living like in this fantasy land where I think my team is really good and it's just not. So just try to be honest with yourself. Look at the other teams, know your league, look at the other teams, see how you stack up because you could be living like in a fantasy world and your team is just really bad. But in my experience, most of the time, 0-3 is generally not as bad as it seems. Now, there are exceptions to that rule, but typically, 0-3 is not bad. Most of the time, you know, I think most teams, if you go back and look, I mean, go to your league history, most teams finish like 7-8 and or 8-7 and or, you know, 7-7. and Like, if you go back and look, like even the worst teams, 
usually get at least three or four wins. So, you know, one way or another, you're probably going to get a couple wins here if you think you're a good team. So I wouldn't let a bad start just throw you off your game. I've seen people rebuild early. Have you ever seen someone do that, Bryce? Like they have a pretty good team and then all of a sudden they just start selling all their players and blow it up like when they didn't have to. Like I've seen that before and it's like, man, like you didn't have to do that. Like you just had a couple of bad losses here. I mean, you're if you go back and look, you know, like you can see like what went wrong and it's like, man, don't rebuild too early. That's one thing I want to stress. Because, man, you know, if you're in a league, you know, you have $50 league dues or maybe $100 league dues. I know you're in a league with like $250 league dues. I mean, the worst thing you want to do is rebuild early and then basically just write a $1,000 check for the next four years that you're not going to win. Like, who wants to do that? Especially when you didn't even have to do it. So just, you know, be honest with yourself and understand, look, 0-3, I know it can be like a big sign of trouble. But a lot of times, it's not. A lot of times, it's just a little bit of bad luck. And you'll probably get a win or two here in the next couple of weeks. And everything will kind of go back to normal. So that's my main thing. I don't know if you agree with any of that or not. Or if you have any, anything you can relate to any of that, Bryce. Yeah, I see people who do that after a startup draft. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen that too, yeah. Like, and it's, like, up and, yeah. it's like, if you were going to rebuild... Right after your draft, why did you even bother drafting Julio Jones? Like right. your goal was to just blow this thing up. Why are you? you know, yeah, so see him. They don't see him like sell like Jonathan Taylor and like Devon. I bought Devontae Smith off of him after week yeah. one. After the yeah. 0. 0.0, I bought Devontae Smith and Malik Willis for a first round. I'm a competitor in this league, so I bought him for a first and second round pick. So probably going to be a late first and second, and obviously that. Devontae Smith return has been great for me. So, yeah, it's just kind of strange in it, but they're doing it the right way, at least in the sense of like it was a startup. So they've got like Jamar Chase on their taxi squad and other, yeah, other guys on their taxi squad where they're going to, they're not going to win a game. Like they're putting up 70 points at most. So in this draft class of stack, we got like four first round picks and all with like probably five second round picks. So probably 10 of the first 24 picks are going to be them. So, I guess that's okay. And then it's funny to mention you t- the 250 because that's kind of a league where I've already started the rebuild. But look, at, but did you have to? Did you I have did. to? Yeah, I okay. did. That's okay then. But, you know, because I've got, you know, I've got Barkley. I sold, I did sell Chase because quarterback was an issue for me. Quarterback and then just depth, every, depth everywhere was an issue. I probably sold Chase when I shouldn't have because I took a lot of risk in that trade and I won't really see the return on it for a couple of years. But like I I had to because depth was an issue. Like if I had one dude get hurt, it pretty much crippled my roster. Like the replacement, whether it was running back, quarterback or wide receiver, the replacement had a floor of zero and probably a ceiling of 10, you know, every time. So I had to go rebuild. So are you okay right now? I mean, I didn't mean to make this so personal. I mean, if you need, I'm just saying, if you, like, want, if you want to talk about this after the stream, you know, I can kind of try to console so, you a little bit. No, but I have been, I've been capitalizing <laughs> on, I've been capitalizing on grabbing picks. Like I, you know, I showed yeah. you, I, I sold Zeke and Russell Wilson for Kenny Pickett, three second round picks. One of them being mine. So it's probably gonna be like the, oh, good. Oh, three, two, oh, two. Yeah, yeah. 
Good. And like Corey Davis, you know, somebody that can still plug in my lineup like during five weeks or something like that. So I've got draft capital, got a lot of young players like this roster could be good next year. Like if George Pickens and Christian Watson end up being like vertical assets, Zamir White, like more important. I've got all these guys that could, you know, at least a couple of them should step up and build my roster pretty nicely. But it's looking like it's going to be probably a year or two. And I'll be honest, like, it was only my second auction draft I ever did. So, oh, auction drafts are tough. Yeah, they're tough. And, and I've gotten much yeah, better since then. Yeah, they are so tough. I spent a lot of money when it started on like Zeke, Saquon, and Michael Thomas at the time when they were at the top of their game. And that obviously led to depth issues, especially yeah. the quarterback position tight end was rough. So I'm bringing my way through this rebuild. It's kind of a fun process. I don't mind it. But yeah, I do agree. Like, don't, don't rebuild too early. But when I'm, you know, I'm only doing it because I'm acquiring guys like Kenny Pickett in, in my rebuild where this might be the cheapest we ever see. It, it might be the most expensive we ever see. If he goes out there and plays like Mitch Trubisky, the Steelers could be addressing quarterback again next draft. Yeah. But he went in the first round. He's probably going to get plenty of opportunity to show his value. Guys like I got Alec Pearson, some trade, like that trade with Jamar Chase, James Cook, Dalton Schultz, Picks, all that good stuff. So... We'll see how that goes. But generally, I agree with the advice you get you gave. And it's just don't, you know, go with your gut. If you're 0-3, you could still come right back and win three in a row and be 3-3 and and be right back in the mix of playoff contention the following weeks. So Definitely. And another thing to look at, too, that I just thought of is the points scored. So if you're 0-3 but have scored, you know, a good amount of points relative to the other teams, I would hang in there. Because especially in most leagues where that's a tiebreaker, that could be like an extra game in a sense. You know, if you think about it, like if you tie, you'll leapfrog them. So it's like a half game advantage. So even though it looks like 0-3, it's actually 0-2-1 in that sense. And I think a lot of people overlook that. There are times where my team is like 0-3 or something like that. And my points scored is like super low. In that sense, I'm like three and a half games back. Right. Because even if I do tie them, there's no chance I'm going to overtake them on the points scored. So that's something to keep in mind, too, is looking at the points scored, because especially when that's a tiebreaker, that's a big deal. And that gets overlooked a lot by a lot of managers. My next point with all that said is, you know, if you've had hopes of competing, but you've been hit with just a lot of devastating injuries and whatnot, maybe it is time to throw in the towel. And there's no shame in that. You know, like you said, like, You know, you had that team where you just said, look, this team isn't going to do it. I need to try to compete for next season. And I'm all for that. And you can make that decision now. You can even make that decision before the season starts and you haven't even played a game yet. There's no shame in that because in Dynasty, it's not just about now. It's also about next year, the year after next. And even if you lose and lose every game all year, in a way, that's good. You're going to get the first pick. You're going to be setting yourself up for a lot of success next year. So one thing I like to do is have a list of what I call 2022 undesirable players and 2023 desirable players and find the guys that are undesirable now, but will be desirable next year. And we've already mentioned a couple of these guys on Michael's team, but it's Calvin Ridley, Deshaun Watson. You know, Calvin Ridley's missing the whole year. So he's not desirable right now in 2022, but he will be back next year. 
we presume. Deshaun Watson, similar situation. He's not playing for most of this year. We don't know if he, I mean, yeah, technically he's out. He's back week, I think 11 or 12. You're not starting him his first game back. I mean, no one's going to play in his first game back. They want to see how he is, how, how, where he's at, how they look with him there. So he's really gone until week 12, week 13. If he has a poor showing his first game back, you're not going to start him the following week. I mean, he could be out all the way through the regular season at that point. So he's extremely undesirable now, very desirable next year. So I think Deshaun Watson makes the list. Trey Lance, obviously he's done for the year. He'll be back next year. So he's a guy that I'd be looking for. Mac Jones, really rough start to this year. Now he's hurt, maybe on IR. I know you know more about that situation than I would, but he's not looking desirable this year, but he could be better next year. So he's someone to target on the cheap right now. Other positions outside of quarterback and another couple other, let's go with running back. Elijah Mitchell, he's gone for half the year. Who knows what's going to happen when he comes back? And then some wide receivers. David Bell, you know, he's kind of decide, tied to Deshaun Watson's value. So I think David, David Bell is not desirable this year, but could be very desirable next year. So he's a guy to target, David Bell. Dan Jefferson just got put on IR. He's another guy. You know, Allen Robinson, I don't even if he's back next year on the Rams, he looks... Doesn't he just look kind of washed? It's kind of sad to watch him play. But I think Van Jefferson could take a huge step forward next year. When you see a quarterback struggling, you know, yeah, like Matt Stafford is, usually the number two gets hit the hardest with that, with the struggles as well. Like the number ones are going to get their targets. But when you, when Matt Stafford's not putting up points in general either, like the number two is going to suffer. Like I feel like when that offense gets going, it'll be because Allen Robinson will be a direct his production will also increase with the offense's production. And, but okay. Van Jefferson is still young enough. I mean, if you're rebuilding for next year, Van Jefferson, I think either way would be a good grab right now, especially given that he's on IR. He's not going to put any points up this year for the foreseeable future. Maybe, I guess maybe toward the end of the year, we'll see. Uh, Tim Patrick and John Menchie and my list of guys that are undesirable for this year and desirable next year. Tim Patrick and John Menchie, both, I think they're done for the year with injuries but could have very nice seasons this following year. So again, to recap the list, and let me know if you disagree with any of these guys, these are my 2022 undesirables, but desirable next year players. Calvin Ridley, Deshaun Watson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, David Bell, Elijah Mitchell, Dan Jefferson, Tim Patrick, and John Mechie. So if you're looking at a team that you think is, hey, I'm trying to go for next year, these names should all be like on Michael's list of like guys to get right now for his team that he needs to try to get on the cheap now while they're undesirable because they could be huge next. Any Anyone you can think of you'd like to add to that list or anyone you have a point of contention with any of those guys, right? You know, all the names I've mentioned before of young guys I'd add, I would just put on that list as well. But the only one I think that I don't think you'd be able to acquire would be Deshaun Watson because... If he's on, if he's on a competitor's roster, yeah, unless that competitor is starting two really good quarterbacks, I think he'll be hard to grab because he might just be that guy that helps them make the push in the playoffs. Okay. I would fair. like to get him. Like I love Deshaun Watson. Yeah, of course. But I see what you mean. That's yeah. fair. Elijah Mitchell, it's probably a guy I wouldn't be trying to acquire for much because it seems like Jeff Wilson's doing just as good as he would be. So yeah. like, and at that point, he seems interchangeable to me. And now he's got two years in a row of being unhealthy i just i guess the price at the price of course of course uh, but good point. The, rest, the rest of the list i love i think mac jones is a great one to try and buy 
trailing. It still might be a little difficult, but I would, why not throw stabs at it? Mechie, Patrick, I really like. I'm not really trying to acquire too much Van Jefferson. Seems like he's just a big play guy more than anything. And it's funny because you put Mac Jones on there because I always tell people, like, I don't think Mac Jones is any elite quarterback whatsoever. <clears throat> but when you surround mediocre to good quarterbacks, you know, that's what he, I would label him as. Now, when you surround them with really good talent, they're going to put really good numbers up. Like if you put on the Patriots, I think Tua would be doing what Mac does. And I think put Mac on the Dolphins, I think Mac would be doing what Tua does. Like that, I think those guys are kind of comparable. So if New England can find a way to surround their young quarterback with really good talent, I hope he goes on IR because I hope they start a crappy quarterback so we lose some games and get one of these really good wide receivers that are coming up in this next draft. All guys who I think situations could be a lot better next year, for sure. Very nice. With that being said, that kind of wraps it up for the meat and potatoes of this episode. We'll get to these questions in the chat, so stay tuned, guys. For those listening to this in the form of a podcast, we're going to end it right here so you don't have to listen to us answer these questions because you don't get to really see them. So thanks for listening. We will be back next week on the Dynasty Heat Seeker show talking about something we'll find probably last minute to talk about. So thank you guys for listening (laughs) next week. Yeah, thank you. All right, let's get to these questions. So Chase Banks was first in the chat. Says start her he's starting Herbert, Kamara, Aaron Jones, Cortland Sutton, Curtis Samuel, Tyler Conklin, Chase Edmonds. And then he lists his bench there. Yeah, I don't I that would is not a redraft. I mean, I would not start Chase Edmonds. I hope he has a better option here. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. Yeah, he does. Cooks. Yeah, I'd start Cooks over Edmonds. Well, run if, he had, if he had Edmonds this, in this last week over Cooks, he I know, but, you know, prompts yeah. us over result. I think you could, yeah. you could look at that flex position, especially with those two options as a matchup. I played Renfro and Cooks over Edmonds. Yeah. But, I mean, and actually, I mean, for a 14-team league, I mean, it, roster. it's not bad. And especially non-PPR, I mean, standard league, there's no way I'm playing Chase Edmonds. There's no way. I play Brandon Cooks 100 times out of 10. Oh, wait, what'd I say? 100 times, whatever. Just play Cooks, all right? Play Cooks. I told you I'm stupid. I got a dumb thing down. Yeah. Um, But who to trade? I mean, I don't know. This Okay, look, what's his strength? What's his strength? He has Herbert and Flacco, so quarterback he can't trade. He has Kamara. Aaron Jones, and then no good backup running back. He can't trade running backs. He has Sutton, Curtis Samuel, Brandon Cooks. <sighs> I mean, you can't really trade wide receiver either. I mean, what can you trade? Yeah, Conklin and Hunter Henry. I mean, may, I guess if Hunter Henry has a big game, maybe you can float Hunter Henry out, but he hasn't really done anything. I don't expect him to do anything this season. I know you were bigger on him than I was. I, was, I mean, I was for them in the red zone, but they're just not getting there very much. And when they yeah. do, it seems like they're running it. I was kind of big on Jonas Smith, and he's getting used a lot more than he did last year. I just worry now with Uzama coming back. How is Tyler Conklin going to look? That might be an issue that you come into. Yeah, this is a tough... I mean, you don't really have a lot of pieces you can really trade. I guess your strongest <laughs> suit, I think, is wide receiver. If Hunter Renfro and Brandon Cooks are good... And Cortland Sutton, I mean, in a 14-team league, that's not bad. Curtis Samuels, come on. I mean, maybe you could... Nice four. Maybe you could package, you know, Kamara and one of those wide receivers and upgrade your running back one and then still get a pretty decent wide receiver on the back end to plug and play or maybe an upgrade at tight end. 
Uh, that's something you can look at. You're going to have to just find that team that that needs a wide receiver. I think wide receiver is your best angle here. I would be probably trying to trade Kamara based on name value. Yeah. For like a, a lesser running back and a tight end. Because I really worry about the tight end situation you're going to be coming into here soon. I think your wide receivers are fine with Sutton, Samuel, and Cook. I even throw in Renfro and bye week sit or whatever. But like I, I'd be looking at the Cam Makers owner because now Cam Makers is two weeks in a row out touching Daryl. Okay, so so your trade would be Camara for Cam Makers and better tight end. Yeah, you know, like Gerald Everett or something, or better than that, Dalton Schultz. Look for Schultz. Yeah, Schultz is injured now though. That's the yeah, but he'll be back next week. He was a game time decision yesterday. So. Uh, maybe if Camara has a big game or you yeah, know, like you might have to you might have to wait. You might have to wait, yeah. but I mean, if this roster is two and two and over, I would imagine at best, or I'm sorry, two and one. I mean, Sutton and yeah, I don't know Sutton or Aaron Jones should have won you last week, and Sutton and Edmonds might have won you this week. So I don't know. I mean, Samuel Sutton and and Aaron Jones probably won you your week last week. I would guess yeah. you're not starting a lot of people. That's a lot of points just between them three last week. So I'm guessing at worst, you're one and two, probably around two and one. I would just be looking. I'd probably hold on for now if I was two and one or one. And yeah, two. wait for a big game or a nice or couple stretch from Kamara or Aaron Jones. Uh, yeah. And I think that's kind of the angle. You have to just find that team that that needs a good running back that would make that move. And then you can basically break even at running back, maybe take a slight hit and then also upgrade another position like that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, your running back depth is rough. So, yeah, Ingram and Mostert. But it's a fourteen team league. I mean, most teams are rough. You know, pretty shallow rosters too. Would you trade Deontay Johnson and Gabe Davis? That's so funny. I traded both these dudes in a trade yesterday. Yeah, you did. Now, now did you get as good? Did you get as good as a return? It was Dynasty, so it's a little bit different because this uh, is a redraft. I uh, remember I got Pittman Jr., Brandon Ayuk in a second round pick. Yeah. Um, so I think it was a pretty even trade overall, but would you trade Deontay Johnson and Gabe Davis for Hawkinson or and Hawkinson for Kittle and Keenan Allen in a redraft? So I would rather have Kittle and Keenan Allen. And I don't know if you agree with that, but the way I see it is I see Kittle as an upgrade over Kittle. And I see Keenan Allen as an upgrade over Deontay Johnson or Gabe Davis. If I have you know, it kind of just depends. It kind of just depends on my roster. Like if I have enough wide receivers to cover that extra one I lose, then I'd be all for it. I mean, basically you're upgrading two positions and only get hurt at one. And you may already have the depth. I mean, Deontay Johnson, I mean, he's no better than Curtis Samuel this year. Right? I mean, if you think about it. So if I have a if I have a pretty deep redraft wide receiver. Crew, I'm for sure doing this trade and, and not even thinking about it. What did Keenan Allen hurt? I was like, I think it's a hamstring. It's his leg for sure. Let me check. If it's his hamstring, but they said it was. They said it was like not that serious. Yeah, yeah it's a hamstring. What have you heard? When have you heard about a, a wide receiver hurting their hamstring early in the season and it has not hampered them all year long? All year long. 
Like, yeah, but I mean, it, Keenan it, Allen's it, different, it, though. I mean, Keenan it, Allen's it, a possession. It, yeah, he's a possession type receiver. At this point in his career, Keenan Allen's issue, hamstring injuries, it, hindering him every week. Right? Yeah, but Gabe I, Davis is banged up, too. I mean, I know. And then, I, as he's probably, they're probably throwing in Gabe Davis because it's it probably not making a starting roster. I don't think they're going to make up the throw in. I mean, Gabe Davis is really good. If it's a redraft, there it is not a redraft. Many, there's not many redraft leagues where Gabe Davis is starting, especially like your traditional redraft leagues, like where people, a lot of people in redraft leagues are still got kickers and defenses. Like, believe it or not, like they're not starting nine players, like they're starting seven or eight, like actual skill position players. So if you're starting seven, I wouldn't be surprised if Gabe Davis isn't finding his way in your starting lineup. And it seems like he is he is he is put in this trade to kind of cover the gap between Allen and Johnson. And I just don't think it's a gap that I'm too concerned about because I think Deontay Johnson's just gonna get they're gonna have to that offense is stagnant right now. Mike Tomlin's not gonna keep starting Trubisky for a while. Okay, I got a question for you. I got a question for you. If you had a bet. Deontay Johnson, Gabe Davis, or Keenan Allen, PPR. Who would end the season from week four forward with more fantasy points? It wouldn't be Keenan Allen? The, the concern, healthy, it'd be Keenan Allen. I know the, the concern. concern. I know the concern. I'm asking you. I know right. that. I know his health. Who would you bet? And I'm not going to bet I, you, but I'm just asking, I, who would you bet? Knowing what I know now. Knowing I, what you know at at right now, what time is it right now? Eight fifty-eight p.m. Tuesday, September twenty-seventh. I am more confident that Deontay Johnson plays the rest of the games, and Keenan Allen misses definitely a couple of more. But so you think Deontay Johnson will outscore Keenan Allen from week four forward? I think he'll outscore him in total. He will not average more than him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Keenan Allen, Keenan, to be fair, Keenan Allen is not on my good side. He looked right in that camera and said, start me. On TV. Oh, so it's personal. And it's I thought personal. Whoa, this is getting good now. I didn't know this was a personal vendetta against Keenan Allen. But let me ask you something, too. <laughs> Who has a higher floor, Deontay Johnson or Keenan Allen? A higher floor? I would say in this offense, I would say this season, Keenan Allen. This season, what about PPR? What's that? What about last season? Last season, I look. Hey, was it you? Who was you and Rick? Who said Ben Roethlisberger was better than Mitchell Trubisky? Do you still believe that Mitchell Trubisky is better for this offense than Ben Roethlisberger was last year? Mitchell Trubisky, I think, has looked worse than really. Come on. I mean, everyone's like talking about how bad Ben Lamb, Mitchell Trubisky. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky starts two more weeks. I think he loses his job. If he does not play lights out pretty much this next week, I think he loses his job. But so with the uncertainty at quarterback for Deontay Johnson between Trubisky, who is worse than Ben Roethlisberger, and with the uncertainty of what Pickett's going to be this season in his rookie year, I would say Keenan Allen has a higher floor. Yes. Deontay Johnson is averaging 14 points a week, and I don't think he's scored under 10. He is not. 
So, I mean, he's a, I mean, he's never really disappointing you. But is he going to win you weeks like Keenan Allen with Herbert at quarterback? No, probably not. But if it's just, again, the health issue, it, that's the only concern for me is the health issue. So I will lean the Deontay Johnson, Gabe Davis, Hawkinson side, but it's, I mean, the trade overall is Ethan. It really is. Cause like one side has two injury prone people compared to one side that has really the best two players on it, but doesn't have injury prone people. Yeah. Gabe Davis a little banged up after, after we, Deontay has a little banged up too. Not really. When's he, I don't remember Deontay Johnson missing a game last year or even the year before. The only concern he has is drum. And he, that's been corrected since his, I think Hawkinson was hurt too. He got hurt a little bit last year. Yeah. But I mean, that's the third highest scoring offense as well. Hawkinson's on right now. So I can't blame either side. I just think it's, I really think I'd rather have the Johnson and Hawkinson side by a little bit. Should I trade Mike Williams for Pitts? He also has Keenan Allen. I'm redraft. That's this got to be a redraft question. I mean, it's got to be a redraft question. All right, no way. This is a dynasty question, Ray Ray. If you're, yeah, Ray Ray. If you're in here, just put if it's redraft or dynasty. It's got to. Let's assume it's redraft. It's got to be. I'd rather have Pitts. Hundred percent. I'd rather have Pitts for sure. Mike Williams is so inconsistent. Pitts is finally coming on strong. Tight end is such a tough position. And yeah, and not only that, but you know, he has earned. What happens when DeAndre Hopkins comes back? I mean, now's the tra- now's the time to to have Pitts and trade Ertz. Now's the time to trade Ertz. You know, you, so I would t- I'd rather have Pitts, trade Ertz, and for Ertz, you can get a wide receiver. You know, pretty a pretty good wide receiver. You know, maybe let's say Gabe Davis. So that way, you have Gabriel Davis instead of Mike Williams, which is you know probably at the end of the year. A little bit of a downgrade, but as we've seen with how inconsistent Mike Williams is, not that bad. Then you get a huge upgrade at tight end with Pitts. So I'd rather have Pitts and I would trade Ertz. Yep. I agree. I actually switched, skipped this question. Oh, no. 12, 12 minutes. He's, he's hurting bad. So I was looking at this question when we were in there and you were distracted. I was, was, zoned, it was zoned out when I was rambling on. When he got asked and it's just like, what do you do in this situation? That's a keeper league. Uh, All right, so read this out because I didn't read this. Let's see. The 12 May Keeper League, he's hurt. Herbert Fields, yeah, that sucks. Kamara, Javante Williams. I mean, that's not terrible, but Kamara's, you know. Michael Carter, Henderson's done. Redraft. Kenneth Walker. Man, how do you feel about Penny right now? Jeez. He had, the, he had a he had good New York for carry last week. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. All right. So I had a dig you there. Okay. Like Michael. Michael. Oh, I got <laughs> What can Walker do? Not like anybody's doing it. No, it was, the question you said was trade CEH for Penny. That's what it was. No, I was like, no way. All right. Sorry. We're getting off topic, Tony. Sorry. All right. McLaurin. I don't know if that David Johnson, probably not. Deontay Johnson. Deontay. Mooney. Cutting. Oh, don't cut Mooney. I wouldn't, I mean, unless you have to, I wouldn't want to, I, you know what? I would cut Kenneth Walker. Oh, it's a keeper league though. 12 man keeper. Yeah. I wouldn't cut Mooney. I mean, just say, so, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know how many people you can keep, but if it's less than like five, I mean, I'm cutting Kenneth Walker before Mooney for sure. I think you could regret cutting Mooney, Tony. 
I didn't uh, Daryl Henderson before either of them. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how many keepers you have. Uh, but I'm not cutting Mooney, especially in a keeper league. I don't even want to cut him in a redraft, regular redraft league. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you've had some bad luck. But again, this is one of those situations. I guess it's a keeper league. I would just, I would keep trying to win. In a keeper league. Yeah, I'd rather the storm. Just keep trying to win. You know, yeah, maybe you won't get as good of a pick. and But a, in a keeper league, I would just try to win at this point. See what yeah. you Oh, it all depends on how many you keep, too. Oh, and you can always trade later. You're done. If you're done, oh yeah, see, he only keeps one. You know, don't make it personal. I know Bryce likes to, you know, have these personal attacks on these players when they say to start them and they don't do good. Don't make it personal. Keep Mooney. You may really regret that. I know he's had a really tough start to the year. I would definitely cut Kenneth Will Kenneth Walker. Yeah, no, like well, he said all these guys are out there. I wouldn't be cutting I would no. not be cutting Darnell Mooney for any of them. No, I wouldn't either. And I'm the biggest Zay Jones supporter there is. I was talking about him in the offseason. I know we were just talking about that, I think, before the stream started. I, no, I would, not cut, I would not cut any of your guys on your roster for Mac Hollins or Zay Jones. You know, people like to just kind of follow the points from last week because they, they had such a good game. But most of the time, these guys are just like one-hit wonders and you don't hear about them for another few weeks. Yeah. You know, I think Zay Jones, I mean, actually, I... I would probably roster Zay Jones over Kenneth Walker on your team. But I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way to do it. I wouldn't be burning a waiver priority or any fab to do it. I don't think yeah, you if you're that. keeping one at the end of the year, you're probably keeping Javante Williams. You, yeah, he would be for sure. So, yeah, I would be cutting probably. I'd probably, yeah, I wouldn't worry about Kenneth Walker because I don't see that coming anytime soon. Michael Carter, Daryl Henderson, all guys. The only chance Kenneth Walker has to be successful so is Kenny gets hurt. Kenny has to get hurt and the offense has to be functional. Because even when Kenneth Walker wasn't playing, Penny wasn't really startable even at that point. So to think that Kenneth Walker, even if that happened, would be, you know, yeah. turning into like fantasy gold, it's Penny's gonna be bats and based for the rest of the year, pretty much. Yeah, it's just fine. That's if you're thin. Yeah. Traded Brian Robinson and Baton for Edmonds and Ridfro. 12-man PPR. I'd rather have I'd rather have Brian Robinson and Rashad Bateman. Yeah, I want the best player in this trade, which is Rashad Bateman. If this is a dynasty, I definitely would rather have Brian Robinson and Bateman. Definitely. Even in redraft. Yeah, even in redraft. I mean, I could get it if you're really hurting at running back. And, you know, Chase Edmonds has been... A, you know, not a god awful option, but it seems like they're trying to get Raheem Mostert involved in that offense, especially as like the true running guy. It is a redraft, he said. I and just noticed too. Closer. Yeah, and I just noticed Tony, who we just talked to with his team, his keeper league. He's a Bears fan. You see his little logo? I just noticed that he's he has yeah. the little Bears helmet, so he's like, I know. he's discouraged by Mooney on like a personal level because you know he has like he probably bought his jersey, you know. <laughs> well, I got a field jersey. Don't that, I would guess. Yeah, don't cut, don't cut Mooney, Tony. And yeah, I mean, on this trade here, Brian Robinson and Bateman win it for me. I'm not exactly sure which side you're on because sometimes it's a little vague when you just say I traded so and so for so and so. But I like the Brian Robinson side and the Bateman side. I just don't. I mean, redraft. I don't really see Brian Robinson having any value 
No, I disagree. I mean, I think Brian Robinson, I mean, he had such good buzz. He's liked by the team so much. I mean, are the, are the commanders? Yeah, I know. But are the commanders really like competing? I mean, I think the commanders owner, owners would care more about a feel good story with one of their athletes coming back from a tragic accident like that. I mean, are they really competing? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't really see Brian Robinson as much of a PPR threat like I do with Gibson out there. Like, I feel like Gibson's going to be more involved, is more involved in the pass game than I would expect Brian Robinson to be if he, you know, if he comes back and takes that starting job. You know, obviously JD McKissick's there too. So it's like, do, does Brian Robinson's value really change from like a guy like Damian Harris? I don't know. I don't know. Might be touchdown dependent is the only issue. I will say, I mean, whether you, if you did get Edmonds and Renfro, it's really not. I mean, it's not like you, even if I don't prefer that side, it's not like it's really that bad. Renfro. Yeah. He probably did okay. I didn't start Bateman to be a starter in your lineup anyway. And if you're, if you drafted a running back that's just not performing and you got now Edmonds that is doing all right and you could plug him in, I could see how this could benefit your team and their team. So I don't really hate it either. Bateman's the best player in the trade though. So usually when it comes to guys of this caliber, I prefer the best player in a vacuum, but if it overall helps your roster, like if now Edmonds becomes a starter in your roster and Bateman was just sitting on your bench because you have good wide receivers. Right. I can see that. It benefited you. Right. So yes, I think this is the time to get him. Like, I think his value is going to go up. He did fumble on the goal line yesterday or Sunday, which was crappy. And he fumbled reaching for the touchdown. He was like two inches away from it, which was terrible, but he's taking over. He's taking over as the lead back. He's still not starting, but he's getting the most touches. He looks by far better than Daryl Henderson. Like he's just better than him. He's just as explosive through the middle and has he's Henderson reminds me a lot like Zeke, the way he runs, like he finds the hole and then he just hits it where Cam Akers is more like he's trying to make plays after he gets to the second level. Like Henderson's pretty okay with initiating contact and going down at that point where Cam Akers is always looking to get more. So, and that offense needs that right now. So Cam Akers right now is a guy to be trading for. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't overpay for Akers. So just no, no, you can't get the right value, which I think right now you're going to get the right value. And then last question, then we're going to get out of here. In my other 10 man league, my QBs are Wilson and Tua. Would you cut either for golf, Stafford, Winston, Lawrence? Daniel Jones, Matt Ryan, those are the best ones out there. So obviously a one-quarterback league. I'd rather have Stafford over Zach Wilson or Russell Wilson. I'm sure. Any Wilson. Any Wilson. I'd rather have Stafford. I'd also rather have Trevor Lawrence over Russell Wilson. That's close, though. Jared Goff's not playing bad either. Like... Yeah, I don't, I can't trust golf, but golf's going to have his bad weeks. But when you're the number three scoring offense right now with like, not really, you know, I would cut Russell Wilson, you know, let someone else own him. Let someone else get nine points. I don't want him on my team. I have him in a redraft league. I'm going to be cutting him, especially in a 10 man league. Like, no, I cut, I would cut. Russell Wilson, I would probably you're really cut. You're really cutting Russell Wilson it, to roster a guy. You're finally going to start once until two was healthy. Was he going to miss time? I don't know. I, I don't really want to start two of this week until I see how he is. I mean, he was hit pretty hard this past he's week. Playing, I, if he's playing, 
I'm starting it. All right. If you're going to start to, uh, you don't even need a backup quarterback with that's the right. options on the way. That's, what I, that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah, I would be dropping, especially a 10 man league. You probably yeah. got some good. I would be dropping Wilson for Herbert, Khalil Herbert or Jamal Williams or Alexander Madison. That's what I would be doing. I'd even rather roster Jalen Warren over a backup quarterback. Yeah. I mean, look, when, and I'd say this a lot, but when, especially in a redraft league, your bench spots are gold. They're gold. And why waste a bench spot on a player like Russell Wilson when there's already a bunch of Russell Wilsons on the waiver wire that are all right. comparable to him anyway? So use that bench spot to get a step ahead of your opponents. You know, roster a handcuff with upside. Take a shot on, you know, someone like Matt Collins. I mean, in a 10 man league, you're going to have better options than that. But my point is every bench spot should be with a purpose. And don't waste a bench spot for a player that already is on the waiver wire with a different name. I want to this question. Easy. Two of going on Thursday. I'm going to look at all these quarterbacks and see which one plays the weakest matchup. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Jared Goff plays Seattle, who's 17th against the pass. Trevor Lawrence against Philly, who's sixth. It's a no. Who is Stafford going against? Yeah, but if you're yeah. comfortable, if you're comfortable starting Tua on Thursday, right? I'm start if Tua for some reason because apparently the NFL is investigating that hit the NFLPA. If for some reason Tua is not playing on Thursday, I'm dropping Russell Wilson and I'm picking up. Actually, let me see if he's playing at weak defense or weak offense. I'm picking up Jared Goff playing against Seattle, but let me look up Russell Wilson's matchup. And what their defense is allowing towards it. And that's how I, yeah, and I'm very good about this. I'm good with that. They are going against the Raiders, who is 27th against the pass. So I'm just going to stick with Russell Wilson and quick him in. That's how I'd go about that. Yeah. But if Tua plays, uh, you'd play Tua, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Throwing to Waddle and Tyreek Hill, Tua could throw a three yard fast and get 70 yards out of it every yeah. game. And don't, don't waste time. Two of these deep ball has looked good. Just like I told people it would because you can't throw deep balls when you don't have like deep ball receivers. Just like how Tom Brady was getting hate when he was in his last years with New England. You got to play. You got to quarterbacks play with the talent around them. You can't just like force deep balls to guys that can't catch it or can't get open on them. But yeah. It's not the problem. You know, the other reason why, the other reason why I always stream kicker and defense in these re- redraft leagues is at the extra bench spot. It's like, if I don't know for sure on Thursday, if two is going to play and I don't have a bench spot, so rather than cutting Wilson, who I might start on Sunday, I just cut my kicker. Yeah. You know, just cut or your two gets labeled. If two gets labeled out, you could throw them on your IR real quick. Yeah, but you sometimes you have to wait till game day. It's already past waivers run. So to get by that, buy yourself some more time. Yeah. Stream your defense and kicker and use them, use them as the extra bench spot. A lot of redraft leagues will allow you to pick up a player as long as they, their time hadn't started. Like waivers will run on Wednesday. And then after that, there's no time. Like it's for, no, I know that, but if you need to put in a bid for, you know, Khalil Herbert, let's say he wants to pick up Khalil Herbert with Russell Wilson, but he may need to start Russell Wilson on Sunday. And he has to wait till Thursday for Tua to go on IR to free up that spot. Don't cut Russell Wilson. Cut your kicker. Cut your defense. 
And then that way you kill, you still keep Russell Wilson. You still get the waiver priority with Khalil Herbert. So now you have Khalil Herbert. You just don't have a kicker. But on Thursday, if Tua plays, then you just drop Russell Wilson at that point for a kicker and start a kicker on Sunday. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, you could do it that way too. Fine. That's the way I do it. Yeah. I would just wait till Tua gets put on IR and then just throw. I would, I mean, I guess. No, but then you can't use the waiver. Then you don't use your kicker as the waiver. Then put your kicker. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, grab your kicker. Yeah. That's why I'm saying, like, I I try to make sure my kicker and defense are usually expendable. I want those extra bench spots to make moves like that. So that's why I'll never draft a kicker or defense early. I want those to be expendable spots. That's fair. All right. That's it for us today, guys. We will see you next week, same time, seven Eastern, Eastern, talking about something to do with week four in Dynasty League. What are we doing with our rosters? Anything like that. Trick guys to guys to target and trades. Who knows what we'll talk about? We'll figure it out and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Right.